Good morning. Please be seated. We will pray. I just need a minute. Um, my name is Sarah Condon, and I am coming to you from snowy Nashville, Tennessee. Um, my husband and I yelled at each other all the way down the icy driveway to get to our car so that he could bring me to the airport. I have been closed in with my children for six days. So uh, it was six degrees when I left. Thank you so much for having me here in Florida. <laughs> thrilled, thrilled. Um, and I'm really grateful to be preaching. I was saying to RJ, I'm thankful he asked me. I have not gotten to preach in a long time, and it's such a, a blessing to me. So now that you are seated and comfortable, let us pray. Gracious and tender Lord, thank you for showing us that calling and change and movement in our lives is always and forever up to you. For you know our needs before we could ever know them ourselves. We pray for the one who preaches, for you know her sins are many. Amen. So I grew up with one of those southern grandmothers that you might read about in a novel. Her name was Elizabeth Taylor, which is hilarious if you are old enough to know the actress Elizabeth Taylor, um, because my grandmother was the least glamorous and least worldly woman I have ever known. We, of course, as Mississippians, called her Meemaw. Her own mother had died in childbirth with her, and when her father could not bear the sight of her as an infant, he sent her away as a newborn baby to be raised by her grandmother. So my grandmother was raised by a woman who remembered the Civil War, and this meant a lot of different things. She learned to make biscuits that tasted like she had learned to make them during the Civil War on Civil War rations. They apparently didn't have butter. Um, they were the worst biscuits in Mississippi. Um, she did not sew, cook, or clean on Sundays as she was keeping the Sabbath holy, right? It sounds wild to us now. She read the Bible cover to cover, and when she finished it, she would start over again. And perhaps for me, the most powerful and remarkable thing about her is that every night she kneeled at her bedside to pray. Even at 90 years old, she would figure out a way to kneel at her bedside to pray. Her faith was also her lived life. She was a special education teacher in the Mississippi Delta, which is got to be one of the hardest jobs. She retired three times because she knew how desperately they needed her in the public school system. She would also, and this has got to be my favorite church lady thing about her, she would offer to babysit your children on Saturday night, but only if you would promise to come to church on Sunday morning, which is uh, an evangelism technique that I'm suggesting to RJ. So um, get ready to sign up. Um, when I studied the gospel appointed for this morning, 
I felt strongly that had my grandmother been a little sister to Andrew or to Simon, she would have scurried along behind them to try to keep up. Because she always wanted to know Jesus better. And I really think that's how she lived her life. And we all have examples of people in our lives who, who seemingly are relentless in their pursuit of Jesus, in their pursuit to know the Lord. But I want us to think a little more deeply about those people this morning. I know that when we hear Jesus calling out to these fishermen and saying, go, and I will make you fishers of people, for a lot of us, there's a kind of anxiety that wells up, right? Like, how can I follow Jesus? How can I share Jesus with my friends? As a Christian, am I doing enough? And then the reality of our lives hits us. We can't go running off from responsibilities, right? We have mortgages, right? And we're all really, really tired. Um, Maybe you're in that era of life where you cannot get eight hours of sleep at night and you cannot keep a clean house because you are in charge of small children. Maybe you're like me and you're worried about how much of the internet your children have seen while also thinking constantly, was that a hot flash? Is that what a hot flash feels like? Um, People have worries that haunt us, that keep us awake. So here we are a room full of people with real problems. I, I want to push back on the notion that following Jesus is somehow on us. I know we read this piece of scripture, and a, a lot of us do think, would I have followed? Would I have followed Jesus? And I want to tell you, yes, you would have followed Jesus, but not because you are a good Christian, but because God knows our going out and are coming in, and in this precise moment, if it had been Andrew and Simon and you on the shore, you would have followed. This is not a story about people choosing to follow Jesus. This is a story about Jesus choosing to call us. In fact, we know from a historical perspective that this entire interaction contrasts sharply with the cultural norms of the time. So in this era of religious history, rabbis never chose their followers. So their followers would choose them. Their followers would decide, oh, this person is wise enough, incredible enough, I will follow them. But in Jesus, we get the exact opposite. He finds us. He hunts us down. He knows our need is great, but our will is so weak. So he has to make it plain, and he calls us by our name. I know we all want to be in charge of how our relationship with God goes. We want to be the ones who commit to a daily Bible study or the ones who commit to coming to church every single Sunday. And I got to say, I used to think this way about my grandmother and the way that she prayed, especially the way that she prayed. I would tell myself, this is the moment. Tonight's the night. I'm going to start kneeling by the bedside and praying. 
And for years, I absolutely failed. I, I would have a glass of Chardonnay at 7, 8 p.m., right? Crawl into bed at 9, 10 o'clock with a good book. And just as I was dozing off, I would think, shoot, missed it again um, without fail. And then, and then something very strange happened. It was about 10 years ago, and it was not a New Year's resolution. It was not during the season of Lent. It was a Thursday night in November. I have no idea why I remember that, but I do. It was a Thursday night in November. And I simply felt the inclination to get on my knees and pray at my bedside. And I have done it most nights since then. This practice of prayer came at just the right time for me. It was before COVID. It was before I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder and before a terrible, terrible tragedy struck my family. And I needed that nightly rhythm through every bit of that hardship. I needed it. I desperately needed it, and God knew that about me. I needed it when I would cry out to God to ask for things to be different, to ask for the people that I had lost to come back. I needed the impact of falling to my knees in prayer, and God knew precisely when I needed it, when suffering had shown itself in my life. Not unlike my grandmother, who was born into such profound tragedy, God tracked me down and took me into his tender care. And all of this drives me to think about what Jesus says at the end of this gospel. He calls Andrew and Simon, and he says to them, I will make you fishers of men, fishers of people, right? He does not say, you will be perfect in every way, and everyone will like you, right? He does not tell him that their following will make them somehow more intelligent or more attractive or more likable people. He simply says... I am calling you, as you are, to share good news with people. Which, as a side note, is a, is a great approach. If you feel like you want to share what is happening here at Holy Trinity with people in your life, it is not about being shiny or righteous. It is about saying, this is a place where I feel called by Jesus just as I am. Do you want to visit with me? So when we read this gospel and hear Jesus pursuing these men with a commitment they could never have themselves, a commitment that Jesus pursues all of us with too, I want us to notice one other thing. Jesus never makes Andrew and Simon promise to follow him. He does not demand our loyalty. He does not demand our promises. Instead, Jesus promises himself to us. He says that he will be loyal to us. In our culture today, we really feel like we're the primary drivers of everything. We really believe that we are somehow in control of these lives that we're leading. Um, people talk about choosing their destiny. After 41 years of life, that I'm going to be honest with you, it feels like 184 I do not know what that means anymore. Tragedy and hardship 
and daily stress mark our lives, so much so that we can barely keep our heads above water some days. So how in the world can we be good enough Christians? We can't. We can't. And that was never the plan anyway. Jesus actually lives in our loss and in our failure, and he calls to us from those places. He called two smelly fishermen to share the gospel. Jesus called my grandmother to live a life of faith in light of how tragically her life had begun. And he called me to my knees every night to just fall apart in grief. And somewhere in each of your lives, Jesus, I believe, is calling you to. So there's this beautiful hymn that we sang uh, last Sunday, actually, at my family's church in Nashville. And the moment I heard it, I thought, oh my gosh, I have to share this hymn with the people of Holy Trinity. Now, don't be confused by the title. The title is, I Sought the Lord, which is wild because the, the, really the text of the hymn is, I thought I was seeking the Lord, but the Lord sought me. So this is the first stanza. I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew. He moved my soul to seek him, seeking me. It was not I that found, O Savior, true. No, I was found of thee. So take heart, brothers and sisters. We are sought out and found by God. That was always the plan. So I pray this morning that you find your comfort there. Amen.